Welcome to RCCG, Jesus Worship Centre, Brisbane, Queensland. A place of God's word, power and praise. Where Christ's love reigns, champions are raised, dreams come true. Listen and God bless you. Shout hallelujah. Many times we are looking for help from left to right, from different areas. And for the best of us, we tend to have a preconceived idea of how the help will come. Maybe because we have seen the way God has moved in some instances. And you look at your situation and it seems like that situation and thinking, okay, if God helped this person this way, then I'm expecting him to do a similar thing for me because of my situation and circumstances. But many times, God sends us help in a way we do not expect, from somebody we do not expect, through situations and circumstances we can't even begin to imagine. Praise the Lord. But what is most interesting is the fact that sometimes the help you need comes by you being a helper yourself. And that's where many people tend to miss it. Because you are so focused on what you need and you forget to realize that what you need has already been positioned on the inside of you waiting to come out. We know the story of Adam, when he was created, he needed a helper. All along that he was struggling, the helper that he needed was where? Was on the inside. God had to put him to sleep and bring out the helper and brought the helper to him. The Lord will bring out that helper that he has positioned on the inside of you in the name of Jesus. When Jesus saved you, when he saved me, He filled you with his Holy Spirit. And when he did that, he gave us the greatest helper we can ever imagine. It's on the inside. And as we begin to walk with God, as we begin to use that which he has given us, what does he do? 
he replenishes us and then begins to surprise us where and when we least expect it. Have you ever thought how good will it be if I can be of help to God? Now, I'm not talking about somebody who, who decides to help God like Sarah. God already had a plan and she tried to help God. I'm not talking about that kind of help. Okay? Because God already had it figured out. But I'm talking of a situation where God wants to do something but he needs someone who will be an extension of himself. Most times we try to put that behind us. the story we read this morning, if we look backwards, God had already given the land of Israel, the land of the promised land to the children of Israel, even before they ever stepped into the promised land. It was already a done deal as far as it was concerned. However, they needed to do something to be able to possess their possessions. And so in Joshua chapter 2 that we read, we saw Joshua calling two men and he sent out two spies to see how they would take the land. There's a principle that God has ordained and that's what Jesus also applied in the New Testament. Every time he needed to do something, he sent people out two by two. In Mark 6 chapter 7, Mark 6 chapter 7, the Bible says, and he called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. Similarly, in Luke 10, verse 1, Luke 10, verse 1, it says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and he sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. What was he doing? He could have done everything on his own. They chose 12, I point to send them. You go ahead of me. Prepare the way. I believe God may be looking for someone here this morning that will go ahead of him to bring deliverance to a generation. Hallelujah. Why did God send them out two by two? It's to tell us something that in taking the land, in possessing the land, it requires teamwork. God never does anything by accident. People have sent one person out there and stuff. The Bible says two are better than one for they have a reward for their labors. One will put to flight a thousand, two will put to flight ten thousand. And that is synergy in action. But there cannot be synergy if there is no unity. Amen? I believe that's the word God will have me give someone this morning. You cannot experience a power synergy if you are not ready to work in unity. And so there are things that God will want you to do, you are never able to do it yourself. That's why when God says he's looking for a man, he will give a man a vision, <coughs> but he will put people around the, the man that they can work together. Moses could have gone into Egypt and delivered the children of Israel, right? 
could never do it alone. God gave him, will always give a vision to a man, but he will bring people alongside him that he can work together so that their efforts can be multiplied and they will do what they need to do speedily. But the, tra- the, the, the tragedy comes when the helpers of destiny and the helpers also have their own ideas rather than just playing with the mission. I pray that the Lord will bind us together for a common goal in Jesus' name. Wherever there is unity, God releases his blessing. We see that in Psalm 133. Psalm 133, verse 1 to 3. It says, how good and perfect it is when brethren dwell what? In together, in unity. It is like the dew of Hammon descending on the Mount of Zion. And begin verse 3. For there the Lord commands the blessing, even life forevermore. There are things God is bringing your way. He's providing help for you, not just because you, you, you are incapable, but it's because he knows he can't do it alone if he needs people to come alongside you. That's why the family is God's secret weapon to take back the earth. It's always the principle of truth. God could have done everything through Adam, but no. According to the book of Malachi, he said when he made man, he did not have the residue of the spirit. So why did he have to make the woman? Why not make them one? For a purpose, so that they could bring forth godly offspring. It takes two to reproduce. Hallelujah. No wonder there's so much attack on the family. Because the devil knows the power of unity. If a family is united, there's nothing impossible for them. And how best to experience or to exemplify unity, but in a family. You notice that in any home where the husband and the wife are not in agreement, that home fails. There'll be so much confusion, even with the children. One is pulling this way, that one is pulling that way. And you know, children can be very shy. They know when mommy and daddy are not in agreement. And then they go and tell one, daddy said, or okay, daddy said. And they can pit you against one another. But when you are in agreement, and one child comes to say, uh, can I do this? He said, what did your mommy say? Or what did your daddy say? You know, it can be in agreement. Not that the children want to be mischievous, but you know we are in a warfare. We're in a warfare. And the enemy goes for the weakest link to try and divide. No wonder the Bible says that what is thought of in the heart of child, stubbornness, wickedness, is thought of in the heart of child. Nobody ever teaches a child how to tell a lie. We're born with it. The seed of sin is in a man. Amen? And until that child is saved, the enemy wants to capitalize on it to destroy the home. But I pray the Lord will bind our families together in Jesus' name. And every inroad of the enemy will flush them out in the mighty name of Jesus. So that our families will be united. And we'll be able to achieve God's goal in Jesus' name. That's why the church is called the bride of Christ. It's about family. We're 
members of the heavenly family. Amen. In this song, we always say, we are heirs of the Father. We are joined heirs with the Son. We are what? Children of the kingdom. We are family. We are one. Praise God. God knows what he's doing. None of us can do this thing alone. We need help from one another. From the person you least expect. I pray you don't need your helper in Jesus' name. So the two men went out. And I believe Joshua had learned a lesson. This time around, he didn't send out a crowd. In the past, when Moses sent them out, he sent 12 people out. And they came back in disagreement. <laughs> Numbers 13, 32, 33. They came back in disagreement, confusion. Ten were saying one thing, two were saying the other thing. And one thing I've discovered, sometimes God allows disagreement when people are not focused on the core vision. Remember the Tower of Babel? They seemed to be in agreement. But what they were agreeing concerning was not God's vision, was not the vision, was not God's purpose. And he came down and confused their language. That's why today we have so many denominations and so many churches. Because we deviate from the core assignment. That, that, that's why you see schism in churches. Any church that you see struggling, go and check. Their primary focus has changed. So it's not all the time that it's because people hate themselves. God himself will come and confuse their language. Amen. At the end of the day, his will be done. Amen. Hallelujah. God will always have his way. The ten and the two, they all disagreed. Because in the first place, God never sent them to go and spy the land. He said, I'll give you the land. Go and possess it. So what they should be thinking of is, all right, he's giving us like, what are the strategies we're going to use? But they were thinking, oh, okay, let's go and see whether we are able. So he said, I've given you. That means you are more than able. Hallelujah. And their disunity brought the spirit of fear upon them. And they began to see themselves like grasshoppers. And you know the one that never ceased to get me? I think in verse 33, Numbers 13, they said we were like grasshoppers in their own eyes. How did they enter the eyes of the, <laughs> to see how those ones are seeing them? You see what fear does? It distorts everything. I pray the Lord will break the spirit of fear over your life in the name of Jesus. That disunity and the fear caused them 40 years and lost. That whole generation wiped out. We will not destroy God's plan for our lives in Jesus' name. So when the two went, they returned with positive agreement. Hallelujah. And they said to Joshua, in Joshua 2, 24, it says, and they said to Joshua, truly, the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. For indeed, all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Hallelujah. 
because they were not going in there to wonder whether God was going to give them. He's already given them. And because of that, when they were there, they were focused. Look at what God did. God sent them help from the most unusual source. A prostitute. A woman that was rejected and forsaken. But you know the interesting thing? These spies that went into the land, they went there, they needed help so that they can um, get the strategy to use and understand how they would take it over. And they were in trouble because if they were caught, they would be killed. So they needed help. But the person that now helped them actually needed more help than they. Praise God. This woman needed help. And she also got it from where she least expected. The people who she was helping were the same people who were sent to destroy her. Because if you listen to her statement, they they were already afraid. They knew that they were dead men in that city. And the same people that were going to bring judgment and destruction were the ones that helped her. God will send you help from where you least expect in the name of Jesus Christ. Her help came from above because it was God that sent them in there. God sent those men as saviors. And she became the first convert in the church in the wilderness. Because the Bible tells us Israel was the church in the wilderness. She became the first convert. The saviors were sent to her. Obadiah 1, 21, Obadiah 1, 21 says, Then saviors shall come to Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Ephraim, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Saviors. You do not know what is within you. Each time God sends you to someone, he sends you as a savior. James 5.20, James 5.20 says, Let him know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover the multitude of sins. Whenever you turn someone from sin, from the error of their ways, you are, you are, you are acting as a savior. In other words, you are making yourself available for God to use. Now look at her confession of faith. She confessed her faith in the God of Israel. In Joshua 2.11, Joshua 2.11, she said, As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth. This was a hidden woman. And she, she knew who this God was and she accepted God. What you can say at that point in time was she accepted God as her Savior. Praise the Lord. However, I want you to take note of something. For her to receive the help that she needed, she had to walk in obedience. She acknowledged, yes, I, I receive, I want to receive this your God. But he said to her, yes, that's a point, but you must hang the rod, scarlet cord, from the window. The Bible went on to say in Joshua 6, 17, Joshua 6, 17, it says, Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are in her house. Because, what did she do? 
to heed the messengers that were sent. Because he helped some people, our own help came. Amen? She obeyed in faith what they told her to do. Many times, help, the help we need comes when our obedience is complete. Because after finding them, they told her what to do, and she, and she kept to it. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.31, Hebrews 11.31 says, By faith, the hall of Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. James 2.25, James 2.25 says, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? The Bible says, Faith without works is dead. You must play your part even when God is trying to help you. Imagine when God brought Eve to Adam. Yeah, look, who is this one? Who is now going to compete with me? I've been the king of all the animals. And then suddenly another person came. People have seen her as a competition, which is what happens in many homes. Husband and wife competing against one another. Who will be in charge? No. What did she do? What did he do? He said, wow, this is the flesh of my flesh and the bone of my bone. She took it and she received the help. If you remember the story in Matthew 22, Matthew 22, 1 to 14, you can read it when you get to Matthew 22, 1 to 14. That was the parable of the wedding feast. The invited guests, people were invited they, 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 to, by the king to come for a feast. The invited guests declined the invitation. And what did the king say? Their rejection opened the door to the rejected. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Matthew 22, Matthew 22 in verse 9, the king said, go to the highways and the byways. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. My time is not yet up. <laughs> he said, go to the highways and the byways. Look for the rejected. As many as you find, invite them to the wedding. Hallelujah. And so the servants went, verse 10, onto the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was full with guests. The king needed help. He had prepared a feast. Nobody should eat the food. He needed help to eat the food, for people to eat the food. Otherwise, it would go waste. It would go to waste. And there are people who are hungry, who are destitute, who have been forgotten. They also needed help. And both help one another. But I want you to note something in verse 11. Take note, verse 11, verse 14. And this is very important. It says, but when the king came to see the guest, he saw a man there who had not, who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into the outer darkness. For there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called but few are chosen. Now, you know, when I used to read that story, initially I got upset with the king. Why 
Are you not the one that invited them? Are you not the one that said, go and bring them however they are? Just like you say, you know, come to Jesus wherever you are. And this guy came to the wedding feast the way he was. So what was the problem? It didn't make sense to me until I understood contextualization. That in that culture, when you are invited to a wedding feast, no matter how you are, they have specific robes prepared where you put on to come in. Praise the Lord. And I'm sure you know, for us, when we come to the Lord, he puts on us a robe of righteousness. Amen? And that's why you cannot say you are a Christian and refuse to live holy. So this man came. The robe was there for him to put on. It was an invitation to the Lord. That, that, that's one aspect of the story. But you see, he refused to pick up the robe and put on. He disobeyed the instruction. He laid down procedures. That's why you can't afford to do things anyhow in the house of the Lord. God has his set ways of doing things. He has the way he wants us to do things, absolute arrangement of things. He has given us his word. Nothing omitted, nothing added. So when we begin to do things in our own way, it might appear to be good, but it's no longer God. I always say good and God are not the same thing. The difference between good and God is what? An extra O when you add your own thing. It may be good, but it's no longer God. And once it's no longer God, it's unacceptable. was disciplined. I pray your head will not reject health because of disobedience. I stand here today because I understand what it means to walk in absolute obedience. There's a time in my life I needed help. No man could help me. No doctor could help me. Done every test possible. He said, For you, the case is closed. You can never have children. I looked up to the help of to the help of the helpless. No parties. I prayed. I said, Forget about it. And then God began to stir me up. He said, Well, I will punish every disobedience against you when your own obedience is complete. Some of us are missing our help because our obedience is not complete. know that God was setting me up when he told me to leave everything, my comfort zone, my heritage, my wealth, my inheritance, like Abraham, and go to a land that he will show me and start organizing. In that obedience, God opened doors without human involvement. And the one that they say can never have children not only a father of four children, he's also a grandfather today. Where the enemy has shut the door, the Lord will send you help today and open those doors for you even as you obey him in the name of Jesus. Is there something that God has been asking you to do that you have not taken seriously? Sometimes it will be 
something very mundane that you think this one doesn't really matter. With God, everything matters. Every instruction matters. The smallest detail matters. Remember I said in his word that not a jot or a tittle of my word will pass away. Everything he has written must be fulfilled. When you talk about a jot or a tittle, you know, when you write a word in Hebrew, sometimes you have those, uh, what do you call them, understand, those marks. It's part of what it's saying. If you put a dot, it's important. Amen? What has he been telling you to do? What has he been telling you to stop? Some say, well, it doesn't really matter. It's not that bad. If it's not bad, it's bad. If it's not that bad, it's already bad. So there's nothing like half bad. But most importantly, have you found your rehab in the land that God wants you to possess it? There's somebody out there who is destitute, who is forsaken, who is rejected that God has sent you to that you keep ignoring and yet you are wondering why has he not given me the land? Israel could not have possessed the promised land if they did not first and foremost have Rahab. Your possession, your inheritance is linked to your obedience. As we close this morning, I have a word for somebody here. As I was praying this morning, I believe God is saying to you, whereas you have been forsaken and hated, and no one went through you, I will make you an eternal excellence. I don't know who that is for. He said, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Maybe you came here today like a Rahab, or you experienced a situation in your life where you feel abandoned. You're experiencing a shameful situation that you can't even tell someone about. God is saying to you this morning, do not fear for you shall not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced. You will not be put to shame. Father, we want to thank you. as the Lord had given us utterance this morning. For some of us, God is saying, you don't have your wedding garments on. You're walking in disobedience. For some of us, God is saying, I've been calling you, come to me. Yes, you come to church. You claim to be a Christian. But you know in your heart, have been inoculated to the real Christianity. You've been coming even before you were saved and you just melted in. You know in your heart that if Jesus were to come right now, you are not going with me. He sent me to you this morning. I want to help you so that you can make it. Someone is here this morning. 
verge of giving up because of frustration or being rejected, abandoned. As a matter of fact, I really believe that God is here today for you. So I'm going to give another call. If you know you need Jesus, and you know your obedience is incomplete, you know in your heart that if Jesus were to come right now, you are not likely to make it. God has sent me to you as a savior this morning to come to me. It does not matter how long you have been coming to church. I'm more concerned about you being able to come into my presence. Even as we bow our heads this morning, I want us to talk to the Lord. Examine your heart. Where is your obedience? You know you are struggling in the area of obedience. There are things you've been telling you to do. There are things you've been telling you to stop and you find it difficult. That yoke that will be broken today. The yoke of disobedience will be broken today in the name of Jesus. So I want to give you that call. Wherever you are, whether you do not accept Jesus or you need that yoke to be broken over your life, just come to the altar. But most importantly, there's someone here what I believe God wants you to do, the phrase he gave me is anointing for the rejected and forsaken. Because for your shame, it's an answer there. I don't know who you are and you, you, you feel like giving up. You've had enough. But God wants to renew your strength this morning. He wants to encourage you particular person. God wants you to anoint water with oil. So I've made all those calls. I don't know who you are. Just come. If you need help, help out the helper. If you need help to break those yokes. If you need help to be able to continue to stand in the place where you've given up, where you feel forsaken, where you feel rejected. I've asked pastor this morning if he's got oil with him. Bible says the anointing breaks the yoke. Where you have been failing, you begin to succeed again. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You need a touch from the Lord this morning. You need Jesus. Come. Come. I don't think God sent me here by accident. Help from unexpected sources. Just come to the altar. It's for you. If Rahab had, because of her shame, stayed back, she would have collapsed into the wall. But you are saying, I need help. I can't cope anymore. God is saying, come. You are saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to start afresh. I want to rededicate my life. Come. Thank you, Jesus. You are saying, I need help to break habit. The area of my disobedience, I need help to overcome. Come. Come. Thank you, Father. For that person, you have reached your limit. You, you, you feel like giving up on God. Don't give up on God. Men have given up on you. You have even given up on yourself. Come. This morning. Thank you, my Father. Father, Lord, 
Jesus, from this day forward, the same place you are giving up, help is coming to you. Help is coming to you. Help is coming to you. Where you have been cast down, forsaken, rejected, you are going to be restored. person that we gather today. May every testimony that will come forth through your children be testimony of peace, testimony of joy, testimony of restoration. Father, let it be permanent in the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak peace into their hearts. Joy overflow in the name of Jesus. And let your joy be their strength in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for this church, O oh God. As they walk in obedience and they reach out to find their rehab, Lord, we receive our possession. The land you have amassed, we receive it in its fullness in the name of Jesus. The souls that you have amassed, we receive in the name of Jesus. Through your church, Lord, great exploits shall be done in this land. Lord, we thank you. Receive all the glory and let the blessings be ours. For in Jesus' mighty name we are praying. If God has helped you this morning, shout hallelujah. Come on, shout a better hallelujah.
Have you been impacted by this message? Please share your experience with the pastor of the church, either via email, info at rccgjesusworshipcenter.org.au or please call plus six one four double six zero six two five eight zero.